have you thought of what if you had a drag name, what it would be? Oh yes, I have. Uh, there's a couple. There's Big Business. She is a corporate hoe. There is Kunta Cantina Turner. Mary Bokeh, she is a consultant. Okay. Um, I also have, oh my gosh, and um, Malcolm Extra. Is that a drag king? No, these are, uh, these are all um, female personas. But Kunta Cantina Turner, I th- th- love that one a whole lot. And that was my, my Twitter name for a bit. And I happened to get a chance to meet LeVar Burton. And he said that he like looked me up and saw that that was my Twitter handle. And he really liked it. <laughs> That's amazing. How did you meet him? I did an episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, like mm. like truly random, like someone dropped out and a friend of a friend was like, well, Sean's probably available. And I just, I was so starstruck seeing um, seeing LeVar Burton that like I, I had him sign my library card, so I felt very powerful. Yo, that's great. And I made sure at a point in this show that I sang the Reading Rainbow theme song because I wouldn't have been able to live with myself if I had. Even though you know he's heard that a million times? Not my version. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> what were his comments on your version? Uh, I am I mean, it's recorded that he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it is on national record. It's a public record that he enjoyed <laughs> my time. Well, I will say, as far as drag names go, the one that I've thought of, I, I I only bring it up. I would normally make it about you, but I would, but I bring it up because it is a Pacific Northwest reference. Because okay. um, there's a modest mouse song called "Talking Shit About a Pretty Sunset," okay. and I just think it would be awesome to be a drag na- drag queen called "Critique Sunset." <laughs> I just think critique is an incredible <laughs> first it's name. Critique, like the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Critique is cool. Critique and uh, and uh, big business could hang out together. Oh my god, incredible! Yeah, a couple of shady queens, fucking <laughs> yeah, walking up he- intense hills in Seattle, being like, "Shit, we should have taken a car." <laughs> These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of the show. My guest this week is Rashawn Scott, a hilarious actor and comedian. She was funny on the Second City main stage when I saw her up there with my buddy Daniel Strauss years ago, and she is hilarious on the show Southside. If you have HBO, HBO Max, um, watch the whole series. It goes so quick, but especially episode two of season two, the choral competition episode Rashawn steals that whole episode with her cookie monster voice. It's incredible. Rashawn also wanted me to pass along the info that season three of Southside is coming. And she was also recently on an episode of Abbott Elementary. So check that out. She's so fun. She's so vulnerable. And I just had a blast talking to her. And so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Before we get into it, I want to say I'm an independent artist. So word of mouth is 
the way that I can make my living. So if you consider this podcast worth a coffee, a meal, a month, I do, then you can join my Patreon for $5 or $15 a month. Either way, you will get all the audio, the full conversation. If you want to hear me and Rashawn talk way more about drag queens, you can hear that at patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You'll also get the after show podcast that I do with Megan Strickland and Claire Favret. And if you join at the $15 level, you will get a shout out to my Pigeon Level subscribers, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidawa, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang. Thank you all for helping make this possible. Thanks to you for listening. If you can't join the Patreon, subscribe to the show, review the show in your app while you're taking a shit, or tell one friend about it. That is it. Follow Rashawn at Rashawn Scott on Instagram and Twitter. Check out her podcast, Mystery County Monster Hunters Club. It is a sort of D&D style monster of the week play. And now enjoy my conversation with Rashawn. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like paint your hell. Like a hell custom designed for Rashawn. Oh gosh, I think the most hellish environment I was in that I recall, I, it was when I was working shipment at a a clothing company like I imagine imagine like waking up just like pulling out of bed you're already wearing what you fell asleep in and you just go and you just un- you're opening cardboard boxes of merchandise and just in an endless room. I have a picture where I'm just like step in the middle of this room with all of these boxes and I have this big smile on my face but I know I'm like oh my god I can't this can't be my life just like how old were you at this point I was in college so I was at least 1920 and at that time I was an RA and I really hated the job and I was really wanting to be focused on all of my acting classes but I knew that you know this job pays for this and if I don't have this job I can't do the things that I want to do and it's it's sad that hell is like work because a lot of people find a lot of pride in work but that kind of work I was just like I'm I'm not really here like even though you know you put on a mask to do all the other things that you do in your life but that one was just like the lights were out people just asked I was just call and response, you know, go grab that thing, fold this, hang this, try to I sell credit cards work to people. for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like fire and brimstone and all that. I don't really get down with. I'm like, no, we're, people are living in hell presently. They're like personally. Right. Well, and, and there's definitely been a theme of people who find repetition of a certain type, mundanity of a certain type to be, extremely hellish but i do enjoy a routine you know like a means to an end but if this is going to be like you know brushing your teeth is something you have to do every day but if it's it's just like the monotony of it all like it was the old navy fitting room that was the place i wanted to die like there Mm. were just like mountains and mountains of clothes that needed to be folded and sorted and put away which were ultimately just thrown into a garbage can which right. were ultimately just thrown into a landfill and, you know, originally priced, you know, a t-shirt originally priced as like $40 or something ridiculous. At Old Navy? 
Yes, girl. And this was That's in, like top of the line old navy. Yeah, and the prices have only gone up. Like the and the quality I think is slightly changed. But it, it would be the worst selling credit cards because they would ask, you know, at the register, you need to ask every person if they want to open a credit card. And you know, you see little old ladies who are just, you know, buying gifts for whatever. I'm not gonna offer this lady a credit card. Yeah. I don't know her financial situation. I don't like offering young people uh, credit cards. I didn't have one at the time. So I thought, why in the world would this person need one either? Right. And there would be some international customers who would come down from Canada to get a bunch of stuff. And they'd just be like, is Old Navy like a popular brand in America? And I was like, yes, it's number one. It is <laughs> I mean, it's Gucci. not not popular. But I mean, if you if you buy it up, it's the less stuff that I have to have in here. So it was like true love hate, and they wanted me to be a manager, and I was just like, no, I have, I have bigger aspirations than being the manager of an old navy. So you were on the floor. You weren't just in the stock room. I was supposed to be a seasonal hire. Okay, but you know, with this charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. (laughs) They're like, no, we got to bring her out front. I was in the fitting room, like putting things away. Women would just be like, you know how it is, you know, having a bunch of kids. And I was like, no, I am 19. (laughs) I don't have any kids. My body shape is this way because of genetics (laughs) and, you know, my ethnicity. I'm going to carry it in all of these places. Sorry. Sorry, Linda. But you should definitely get those pants. (laughs) And I would just be like, you know. Uh, don't compare your body to mine. That that was a lot of the energy that I got of like, yeah. you get it. You're big and round like me. But I was like, but I have confidence in my big roundness. Yeah. Don't, really? Even then at like 19? I had to be, I was, I've been shapely. I mean, when puber- puberty hit, it hit like a fucking mat truck. I had, yeah. you, when I was a kid, you, there's no way my family thought I was going to be this shape and, you know, this, this wad. You know, I was a skinny thing. And then I just got breast and ass. And then, you know, time and energy, you know, just became this way. But, like, I had confidence in – I had to have confidence in other ways just because there are a lot of beautiful people in my life. And I always – come. you know, we're always secretly comparing ourselves to others. But right. the, there's a time when you want – when I needed to show and when I didn't. So that's – I had a lot of confidence when I was doing an instrument, if I was reading out loud in class,�����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
Yeah. You know, it's the Northwest. Like, everybody is pumped through there at some point. Like, I and I really enjoyed it. Like, I only visited a couple schools. I thought I wanted to go. I wanted to go to Tisch. I wanted to go to Howard. I wanted to, you know, get out of the state. But my family was just like, oh, we don't know. It's just going to be, easy, you know, safer, easier, all that, yada, yada, yada. That and I was still in the band at the time, so I I wasn't even sure that acting was going to be the way mm. I went. Because if you went to Western, you either became um, a, a teacher, like they have really good okay okay like academic programs. So I was like, oh maybe I'll maybe I'll be a drama teacher, maybe I'll be some sort of you know some sort of artsy teacher. And then I just got involved with the theater program and I loved it. And then I started doing more improv. Like I joined a team. They had show. They had Every Tuesday, anybody could come and play and learn, and I just got sucked in like a frat. Wait, what instruments do you play? I played alto, alto sax, tenor sax, okay. uh-huh. bass clarinet, and then okay. yes. I talked my way into being a vocalist in the jazz band, and they made me play like cowbell and like kungas when <laughs> we didn't have a, like a song. And they're like, why don't you just join show choir? I was like, Pff. so I can stand in the front. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> you're like, you're I'm special. What? Girl, no. <laughs> Bass clarinet is tight. Yeah. That one that one was senior year because it was my senior year and I wasn't necessarily the strongest uh, you know, readed like I wasn't the strongest player, but I, you know, I had confidence in it and I didn't have <laughs> private lessons and stuff. Like my parents were like, Oh, you're you pick stuff up really fast. You don't need private lessons. I was like, mm-hmm. but that's that's how the kids get better. Okay. And so the band teacher was like, well, Rashawn, I don't want you to play saxophone anymore because I'm building like this section of these. T- these are like, there were like five or six really talented saxophone players. Like these guys would go to state wow. all the time, can re- sight read on, you know, they were incredible musicians. New music theory back and for- forth. And I have an ear for it, but I was like, he's creating I, like the Golden State Warriors of high school saxophone. Exactly, players. there was a trombone like what they they called themselves like a trombone army, but there were like seven of these dudes who were like, we are really trying to like nail this down. Jesus. And so I was third chair out of three bass clarinets my <laughs> senior year, so I could be in the the highest band. <laughs> so I'm just like, and I was president of the band at the time. I was just, I loved it. Wow. Okay, but in the stock room, yes. What got what got you through? Like, were you listen? Did you have? Could you wear headphones? Because this is this is the hellishness. Were you interacting with people? Is the isolation part of it, or is the interacting with specific people part of the hellishness? It, the hellishness came from what kind of person what I become if I got sucked into this life. Like the, that's the, like mm. the, the girls and the people that I would interact with at the mall would be like, so do you, so one girl immediately asked me, Hey, do you date army guys? Cause it was like, you know, the bases are all over there in Washington. Wow. And that's kind of a thing. Like a girl will, meet a guy who's in the military they get married very quickly uh-huh. he gets shipped off somewhere then she's holding it down at home maybe she has a child and you know she becomes you know a housewife in a way which i don't i mean in another life that would be amazing but yeah, i just sure. was like 
that I have bigger aspirations because like my whole life, people are like, you're going to be something. You're going to be something. I'm like, okay, I believe you. I believe it. And if you're saying it to me over and over again, it must, there must be some truth to it, but like when, okay, I just have to keep myself afloat until it hits. So yes, I was listening to music um, at that time. Gosh, what was I listening to? I was deep in an Amy Winehouse hole. I was listening to a lot of the Kooks and the Arctic Monkeys, and okay, um, okay. I was like podcast. I do have my old iPod from like 2007, I think, still uh, with like all that stuff on there. It was it was just like a Jamie Collum. I was listening to a lot of British, yeah, singers, very who had, like, anglophilic pushed through who were like we do like they were very inspired by like American style music and soul music, so that yeah. like made sense to me but yeah it was like i could have a life like theirs like some of my managers were older and had they had families and careers but they're like i've been working here for you know 25 years i was back when it was part of the navy yeah when (laughs) before it became its own separate store i was in the actual (laughs) old the old navy i got my purple heart my stars Yeah. yeah I'm a decorated general. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the future casting of it. It's like just Mm -hmm. the, the imagination of this is forever. Yeah. And I think that's the, the storyteller in me or like, I've seen so much TV that like, this is a, if this is a movie or if this is a TV show, Mm -hmm. I know how by the third act, I can already foresee where this character is going to be. Yeah. And which is probably bad for my mind that my, my life is structured in acts and I just am like, okay, how do we get to the next point? But for me, like, I I don't know how my story is going to play out because I've never seen this movie or experienced this before. Because I'm at a point where, like, all of my colleagues are doing all – we're all doing wonderful things that we were told we weren't very much capable of back in the day. But look at it. We've exceeded expectations. And who knows what could happen next? You're talking about Second City colleagues? Second City colleagues, IO colleagues, like literally everyone across, everyone I met in the Chicago scene who has come out of there and is, you know, in any other place, most of us are doing really, really well. And, and, and in our own rights, you know, it's not someone else defining what we're doing. It's like they created those opportunities. Yes. Well, you and have- it's the people who are um, Starting honestly, starting with Paul Britton and Vanessa Bayer was when I started becoming aware of people leveling up. Mm -hmm. And like Vanessa Bayer is great, and she was not anyone's top anything in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And that's such a blueprint. All the people doing the best were not like, I'm trying to think of who was like a golden child in comedy in Chicago who's also doing hot hot shit and i the closest i can think is tim baltz maybe um but in terms of like really successful careers it's just people who kept who ha- got the training mm-hmm. had enough natural charisma and then just kept working hard yeah tim baltz yes prince for sure tim baltz gave me one of my first shots on his show shrink that was on CISO. yeah R-I-P. yeah yeah but that was really fun because I was like, oh, he's Tim Baltz. You know, he's a big deal in the community. Right. Like, He notices me. He cares. Like, mm-hmm. And that whole sh- shooting that was really fun because it was very casual and natural. And 
and you just let you know incur you know you have the skills you can totally do it but yeah it's i would i would feel like a haha told you so to a lot of those bigger corporations who like didn't give people a chance like my my step into second city was like the first year of bob curry there's a lot of strong people in that first year of bob curry we had like, yeah, which is the like diversity fellowship. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. They rounded up all the Negroes and the colored <laughs> folks, and which said, has a good history. Just you know, yeah, rounding yeah, yeah. Up Colored folks is a really good like look for sure. Yes, when you get them on a list, let's say the like the government <laughs> has, and then you know you give them resources and you tell them they're really good, but you don't give them the nice resources, but they still mm-hmm. do exceptionally well, even though you gave them shit. Yeah. Because they're really well spoken. Yes, <laughs> they speak so well. <laughs> well, okay. Oh let God. me ask you this: <laughs> my mother because you were thinking that she would, <laughs> she rage. Oh my God, rage! But you were saying no. I just want to know how the feeling because because when you said people had been telling me my whole life that I was going to be something, mm-hmm. I felt a pang of recognition, but it was a painful. Because to me, that has created a lot of super like, villains. Super villains, but for me personally, heartache in my life of mm. like, oh, here's my not even other people's expectation. Now I've internalized this so much. And if you're narrativizing fucking movie scripting your life, and all of a sudden that you know, you we're you're used you to the 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 end of the first act being five minutes and it's 20 years. You're like, wait, how long am I out in the wilderness here? What, what is fucking happening? Yeah, that is, I used to cry about it about lots of points in my life where I'm like, oh God, I'm this age and I haven't gotten this. Yes. Why, why not me? There are people who I, you know, in my mind were like less deserving, but, and those were like, well, personal- not just in your mind. In my, <laughs> oh yes, but you know, like I don't know, I I don't know what changed. Maybe it was age. Maybe it was like realizing that, you know, it's we're uh, it's literally always a school play. You're maybe you'll make the cast list, maybe you won't, and you have obviously in this career you have to have a lot of rejection. But I think I've had so much rejection on a personal level for those things that I'm like, oh well, I've taken so much. I, I I let it take it. I took it so much to heart, those personal things that it derailed so much of my personal development that I can't mm-hmm. allow that to happen to my professional development. Okay. Is so you feel successful professionally and a wreck personally. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's, 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 it's not been a nice balance. <laughs> I don't think I've, I'm like made it an obsession of like, okay, this, this is what I'm doing for right now. And yeah. it will be going, going, going. And I don't think about the other things. Like I'm sure i could be a better friend. I'm sure I could be a better sister. I sure could be a better daughter. Sure. But I mean, what else am I supposed to, I, I, you got, I've, I've been doing you got auditions, for, I guess, but I do include, <laughs> well, I don't, now I feel like I sound like a total asshole. No, 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 no. It, but, it, all of this is said understanding that like w- we're all trying to like put puzzles together mm-hmm. and being self-aware of this stuff. And like, yeah, there's all sorts of like resentments I have while being aware that like 
I don't want to have resentments. But exactly. if I'm going to be the kind of person who talks honestly about this stuff, I got to be honest. I got a fucking resentment. Yeah. So, yeah, that is hell. <laughs> that is my hell. Hey, it's Dave. I'm not talking to the guest right now. I just want to let you know, I intentionally construct these episodes to allow my guests to speak as much as possible. But if you enjoy the perspective of mine that does come through in this podcast and you want to hear more from me, please subscribe to my weekly newsletter. It's called Hella Immaculate. There is a link in the show notes that you can click and sign up right away. You can also go to my website, thisisdavemar.com. What you'll get is every week an essay from me and basically a mood board of links, sometimes mutual aid fundraisers and music that I recommend. It's like we're in a conversation and hopefully I'm sharing cool stuff with you. I'm either your cool friend or your slightly anxious friend, probably both. Anyway, if you like hearing from me and you want to hear more, Subscribe to Hello Immaculate. Thanks. And now back to the conversation. What about funeral planning? Have you put thought into what you would want, what you would not want, people there, people not there, the tone of things? Do we have people throwing themselves on the coffin? Is there a coffin? Is there a location? Is there a food, music, decoration, you know, anything. Yeah. Um, I do think, oh gosh, I knew, I knew this is what we we're going to be talking about, but it's so <laughs> incredible to think about it for yourself because um, one of my aunts recently passed away and she was cremated like my grandmother was. And, and she's probably the second person in my family. For me, really the second person I've known personally to have passed away. And we haven't done much for her yet. And that is a fear of, like, you pass away, they burn you up, and then, you know, they cry about you for, like, a couple weeks, and then you're just gone. So I guess I would want something loud and and eccentric and gay and queer and full of life and I don't think I want to be cremated no not at all I don't want to be burnt up but I think embalming is so strange yeah like filling your body with chemicals and plumping you up and I really think that like they wouldn't get the outfit right and it would just be a proportionizing whole thing and you're laying down and like looking down on someone is not like a good angle so I guess I would want to be like <laughs> propped up um, I do, I want a low neckline, but like be respectful because my like my brothers will be there and they just don't need to see like full nipple. Um, I would want a live band. Um, I want and then the thing is like who's gonna sing at my funeral? That's like mm. very strange. So I guess I will <laughs> I'll re- do like a hologram like performance with the band <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> but people can open for me, but I will be the closing act for sure. Have you sang at other people's funerals? Yes, my my it was sprung upon me. Uh, my grandmother Ernestine, uh, my mother's mother, passed away, and it was very strange because um, 
I saw her body before they like took her away and she had a, had a heart attack and didn't want to go to dialysis and stuff. So she was like basically telling us she didn't want to live. And at her, at her funeral, it was like in this hall and she had been, all the family was like telling stories about her, like clear lies and <laughs> embellishing, like <laughs> embellishing what kind of lady this was. Like she was really hardcore. She had six daughters and, she lived in Seattle and it was like the seventies and you know, having all of these young women. And she was just like hard on all of us. And she clipped coupons for things she didn't need. She was like kind of a hoarder, but she would also like steal stuff. So <laughs> she sounds awesome. She was really awesome. And I, you know, now that I'm older, I was like, fuck, I really wish I had known her, but she would, you know, there's so much life that I hadn't, I couldn't understand her and she didn't understand me, but uh, they asked me to sing. At the fu- at the funeral, it wasn't like, hey, a couple days before, Whoa. Rashawn, will you do this? It was just like, oh, Rashawn is a performer. She'll be on. She'll be ready to do this sort of thing. And one of my un- great uncles was there with a piano and started singing Home from uh, The Wiz. And I, I started crying like I am now, and I couldn't do it, and I felt like horrible i was like why would you guys put me in this position like no one no one's teach no one teaches you how to mourn it's literally happening you know it's like again a terrible i was in a i was in a movie and i was just like i was if i wish someone would just cut away or like why why do they why do they want to see me cry like this when i you know barely knew the woman at, at times um but you know, wasn't one of my worst performances. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, I did. I did do Showtime at the Apollo in Seattle, and that was a. I didn't get booed off the stage, but this little kid who was, he was like eleven, and he was in a white tuxedo, and he played piano. I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna lose." <laughs> this kid is too good. <clears throat> but um. Uh, at my yeah, at my funeral, I think I would want to sing to like, I wouldn't spring it on someone in the last minute. I'm like, hey, oh my god, could you sing at Rashawn's funeral real quick? Yeah, I know you're. You know, this is the first funeral you've ever been to, so <laughs> spotlights on you. What songs would you want your hologram band to to sing and you sing and they play? Um. The last song would be the Stevie Wonder's Love is in Need of Love Today. That is such mm-hmm. a good song. Songs in the Key of Life is the album. It'd be a lot of soul and funk music. I really enjoy like the the spiritual aspect of it. I think it's just like you really have to want to sing those kind of songs to like make them like to make people feel them. There would be some prints like in honor of my dad and I would want, I would actually do some Destiny's Child or Beyonce because I don't do that now because like, it's like doing it at karaoke. It's just like, yeah. if you're going to do it, you got to really right, do right, it. Right. And that seems, to, <laughs> if I'm going to do it at any time, I should do it then. But um, there's also a song from this musical called Snoopy that I, I did in college and at the end it's if just one person believes in you 
deep enough and strong enough believes in you hard enough and long enough, you'll start to realize, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. But it's basically being like, if just one person believes in you, you can do literally anything. That would be one of them. It'd be a lot of like musical theater mixed in with some like deep cuts of like, Rashawn was the only person who ever liked this song. <laughs> but it's like a full concert. Yeah, basically, I'm gonna give this, a is a, this is quite the set list. <laughs> full concert for myself, for for all of my people. I feel like anybody who ever whoever felt like I, I touched them in any way, you'd be invited. Like, it, what an asshole to like not let people come to your funeral. <laughs> it's like the the last thing you you can give to a person. Yeah, um, I I I go back and forth because. I know that the funeral is about the the living, mm-hmm. but then again, the narrative, narrative, the the story lover in me does really like, or 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 somehow respect maybe the person who chooses to just go petty with it at the end and <laughs> and like actively not invite a specific person that. That there's something satisfying about that. <laughs> I don't think I could do it, but to hear about it, I would really appreciate. Well, another way you could go about it. This is one thing. My dad was like, "Hey, if you ever win like an Oscar or a Grammy, this is what you should do." Yeah. Um, when Outcast won the Grammy for I think um, ATL Aliens or Southern Playlist listed Cadillac funky music. Don't remember which one it was, but they basically walked up on the stage, took the award and were like, thank y'all very much. And then just took off. Yes. <laughs> like no long speech. Like, man, this was really nice of you guys. Good looking out. Peace. Yeah. And real quick and like get everybody there, make it a long procession and then just be like, all right, y'all see you later. And then close the casket <laughs> and be lowered. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then just like a long drum roll into the bottom. Mm, yeah. Mm. Okay, so it's so it's outside. It's at the the gravesite. Who do I want it? Yeah, outside. And then it's just weird. Okay, so yes, they put me in the ground, but then them walking back, I would want one of those southern like um like the parade the second the, line the second line procession thing, yeah. thing for all the people coming back cuz that's you know they're sad they're in their high heels and they're stomping in the grass and stuff like i just feel like heels will get stuck it's kind of boring that everyone's wearing black like i want color and life and i want y'all to you know mourn me but also like keep living you know, like that would, I would, I would feel horrible from the afterlife. You're like, Rashawn's gone. And I just don't know what to do with myself. I shall cast myself off into isolation. Yeah. That's silly. Well, thanks for talking about your aunt and your grandma. I appreciate you like opening up about that stuff. I imagine that you experienced this and 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 it's the the tendency to superlativize someone when they're gone like i don't know how like not assuming anything that you might know about me or my story is i was in a coma for a month 
and everyone thought I had died. And then there was a moment when the plug was almost pulled and people thought I had died. So they started eulogizing me on Facebook and, um, and then I woke up, but I got to see, see. yeah, it was wild. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So then I got to see every, all these things and like the, you know, it's, it's, and I've seen it when other, unfortunately friends have died. It's like, so-and-so was the most blah, 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 was the, was the best blah, blah, blah. And I'm wondering what do you think the superlative people will apply to you would be and, or what would you want it to be? Gosh, that's a good question. Thank you. That's an excellent question. Thank um, you so much. I, th- oh gosh. It's like, <laughs> I'm really trying to think of like, what would, I mean, the nice thing to say is like, oh, she was great to work with. She always believed in others. But uh, as much as I'm out there, I think people would say that I kept to myself. And I would hope they would say, like, uh, I, oh, gosh, well, I don't know. God, you, this is an excellent question. I'm going <laughs> to cry again. Like, what would I would want people to say? Like, Rashawn was passionate. Rashawn was, well, I want, would want them to say they got the full range of Rashawn. Like, when I was super happy, I was happy. When I was down, I was honest about when I was down. And I was been trying to live in the middle. That's not a complete answer, but No, I love that because it's like uh the 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 cap capsule version of that is that you were the most alive. Yeah. I would want people to think that I was happy with everything that I did. Are you? I I believe that I am now happy with everything that I've done. At the time I was just when you know when you're when you're oh my god when you're when things are happening to you you're like all right how do I just survive? How do I make sure that my feelings are that my feelings are uh are taken care of? Because I could be the only one looking out for me. And it's not a guarantee that people feel strongly about you. I mean, you got to realize that, you know, after, you know, you could see the people who said that they felt passionately about you, but like, oh God, again, I sound like an asshole. Like, <laughs> like the people no, who, who, who feel strongly about me. And it's like, I, I, I see that and I feel that, but I also want, God, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> God, I really don't. I, I really don't. <laughs> um, y'all, I hope y'all enjoyed it. That's, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the, the Rashawn experience. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> What's your coma?
just any moment where, and it doesn't have to be epic, Mm. but something where a moment of transformation where before it, you were one version of yourself and after you became a different version. Oh, absolutely. Um, The turning point was um, after college, I moved into my grandmother's house, my father's mother. She invited me to move into her house and I had just gotten uh, my job at Old Navy, transferred down to Seattle and I was going to like do theater in Seattle. And that was the thing. And I was working also at a calling center where I had to be like up at like 6 a.m. So basically I would just go to work, go to rehearsal, come back home, like rinse and repeat. And um, I came home one day and she told me that I had to get out. And I was like, this is so crazy because this is like the grandmother I was closer to. And she was just like, I've just been talking to people about you living here and it's just not going to work. And I was like, well, (laughs) the only people who know I live here are my mom and dad. So like, what are you talking about? And it was, I got no explanation. And she was just like, you have to leave. And I was just like, fine. Like, if you want me out, I won't be a burden to anyone. And so I like, like had a hysteria of just like, that's a real thing of like, lost my mind was driving, should not have been, had to go do a rehearsal performance, go to work, come back, get all of my stuff, throw it in my van and drive back to my parents' house in Tacoma. And then I was just like depressed for like eight months. And in that is where I decided to move to Chicago. And you still don't have any explanation for that? My grandfather was sick at the time and she wasn't really telling me. And it was just like little things of just like having another person, another grown woman in your house. So it was a little bit of both. And there's been some resolve. It got like a short email apology, but still not a hundred percent. Wow. And it's been years. So like, what are you going to do? Do you still talk? Yeah, I I've been I just go not visit. about that. No. Wow. Rashawn, you're so great. You're so talented. You look just like me. <laughs> Especially in the wig. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, wow. that was that moment knew like, oh shit, it's all about me. It's gotta be. You know, because even if your own grandma, like of all the people in my family, no way I thought I was going to get so emotional. And uh, so just like, I can't believe this person would do this to me without just talking to me. If you say my whole life, you can talk to me, you can tell me anything. Right. And then you don't, girl. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to get my shit together. I've got. I gave myself like three, no, four months to get cash together and move to Chicago. And then I did. Why Chicago? I had um, done this college improv tournament in, uh, and then my, my, my year in 2011, my college improv group went to Chicago and won this like national competition. And we were According to my age range, I was like the funniest black woman in college who did improv <laughs> that year. Um, 
And so developed, and then we got invited to go to the improv festival, that week long thing that happened with international people. And we got to perform and loved it so much and connected with other teams like Cosby sweaters from DePaul and all of these, uh, you know, drop in science, all these other teams. And so we built relationships with them. And then I came out and I started to work for, uh, for the festival itself and like ran it and toured around the country and got other teams to join. And then through that was just like, oh, I'm meeting other people in the Chicago improv community. And that took off. Wow. And did your parents give you any comfort or explanation as to Um, why she asked you to leave? I was like, dad, ask your mom why I got kicked out. Right. And then didn't really talk about it. My mom was just like happy you know like ha 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 my daughter is back home just again the petty i thought i thought it was very petty but again and then i was just like i gotta get out of these environments that this pettiness rules all decisions most decisions yeah because when you were talking about kind of being forced to sing on the spot the question you asked was like, why do these people want to see me cry? And part of me was like, wow, that's a really like, it's taking it really personally. Like that is like assuming that they are like trying to inflict something on you. Mm. But it sounds like that's not out of the realm of the kind of things that were happening. (sighs) Yeah. Or do you think you're just prone to sort of personalizing things more than most? I would hope that it's not more than most, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I couldn't say I can only speak for like my actions and how they make me and how others make me feel like other people's intentions. If I were, if I, try to unpack everyone's intentions yeah. and what they do to me. I would, I'd be crying more than I already have. <laughs> well, I think that's just cause I'm a pretty good interviewer. Oh yeah. I measure, I measure the, the success. Some people look at their numbers, streams, downloads. I look at <laughs> tears shed. That's how I yeah, judge. You come in here. You were in a shake who t-shirt. Get me all vulnerable. <laughs> Um, I'm glad you noticed. I I, for, I forgot until right before we started. I'm like, oh, I'm wearing the Shea. Yeah. One of my two Shea Coulee t-shirts. Um, I have the black one with the yep the, lip the lips. I love that's my favorite one. But it started to like fray at the the sleeves for me. You have to get another one. I know. I know. Shea. I've ha- I've had to keep shirts. buying bigger and bigger shirts for the pandemic. Anyway, man, it's a, it's rough out here. I mean, the moment you were like, you know what, Rashawn, size up. It, it there's no shame in wearing clothes that fit you. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially, it, it is, well, it's a little rougher and it's a little freeing to be out in public with it. But especially around the house, it's like, no one's judging me here. I might as well have the right size fucking sweatpants, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, okay, in terms of who you were before this move, it sounds like the big change was to your environment. So how yeah. how did you change? I changed in 
I felt like I really had to like become a um intentional adult. It was just like the flow of things that had happened to me. I was like, okay, school is over. So someone, the opportunity was presented to me of like, you can move in with me. Everything will be fine. If you just, Mm. and it wasn't my decision. It was like, Oh, okay. Well that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, sure. I should. But if I thought back and I was like, well, before I left school, I, yes, I was sharing an an apartment with two other people, but it was my space. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like, after school's over, I have to, you know, take responsibility to pay off these loans, to, you know, clothe myself, to, like, I I would make my, I've been doing my own laundry since before I could remember, and then just going into someone else's space. It wasn't like a, a fresh apartment that I could style right. any way I wanted to. It was like, you didn't sit me down and say, these are the rules of your home. And it wasn't like I was bringing back dudes and just sucking and fucking <laughs> all day long. <laughs> You know, and I was just like, what the fuck? I yeah. was I would go to work and go to rehearsal. Like, I don't what what about this is so frustrating that it, we had to come to here. So it would be amazing well, if she was like you had a conversation. She was like, Rashawn, the sucking and the fucking is just too much. It's just- <laughs> oh, Rashawn, I wish <laughs> you're just sucking and fucking too much, girl. And it's I just-, just so much su- it would be one thing if it was just fucking, but the sucking is really out of control. <laughs> Your jaw is going to get so sore. <laughs> I hear it Can click just- when you're eating cereal in the morning. <laughs> We're going to get that reset. Oh, God, I hope you have health insurance. You don't. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, it was like, girl, I wasn't bringing nobody back to this house. I wasn't up late. I wasn't even smoking weed in her house. I wasn't doing anything. I mean, I would please, Grandma, if you're listening to this, <laughs> please <laughs> let me know. I guess, but and then I moved back home, so I was in my old, oh my god, my old bedroom, which was now the dog's room. I was just like, "Yo, what oh is god. happening to Rashan?" <laughs> so you know, I was like, "I was a big deal in college," and then you know, you become just a regular person, like yeah. you're just out here in the world with everybody else. So then. It was just like in Tacoma, which I enjoyed Tacoma, but again, I was just back in my my room from high school. So, how can I change my situation? Okay, I've where have I been in the world? Chicago. Chicago has theater and improv and people from my college. It was just like a bunch of improv dudes who moved there, and I was like, okay, I need to get a job. So I was uh, I worked for a uh, a children's com like a company that his character his name was Rodney Raccoon. Ugh, worst. <laughs> and he, he did like uh, you know education for children, one, two, threes, ABCs, and sort of okay. stuff like that. So I would roll around to boys and girls clubs and events with this this sixteen year old kid who was in a big old raccoon suit um, <laughs> and teach kids about wavy season one, two, threes. But the thing is when I worked for that company, they wouldn't allow the kid to wear a microphone inside their costume. So I was like, so when I like write these sketches to like respond to them, he can't talk to me. They were like, well, just play the CDs. It's someone else's voice. I was like, but that is so one-sided. <laughs> it was just so frustrating. So I did that. I worked at Macy's. And I saved up all my money, and then I did a, a a production of Avenue Q right before I left. 
And so you're making the deliberate choice to move. Are there other, like this sort of deliberate adulthood, can you point to other things that happen after where you're like, oh, and, and I see that lesson being carried over in this decision, in that decision. It was just the level of independence of, I just didn't want anybody to think that I was a burden to them. And I was like living off of them. And so I would having my own money getting, I I would take the bus in Tacoma, which is so hard to like get Uh, anywhere. So me taking the effort of like, this is how long it's going to take to get there. Um, I mean, I honestly, it's a kind of a blur. I, I can't pinpoint specific lessons, but just like the fact that I was wanting to go away was a big deal because not a lot of people in the family have left and stayed away. They're yeah. like, maybe you tried it a year or two, mm-hmm. but then when it, you know, it became like year five of living in Chicago, it was like, oh, I'm not just going to come back. Right. Yeah, and when I first moved to Chicago, I had my own apartment. It was in a. It was scary because I there was something else traumatic happened right before I left, and that was a another thing that like, are you sure you want to go? But I was just like, no, no, no. This fear, I will, I can get over this. I have to because I just don't think that Washington was going to be the place for me to really like stretch and try to figure out who is Rashawn. On her own. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, maybe it's just because I'm watching the, well, now the third part of the Kanye Netflix doc, but it's, I'm, I just like, I feel like this whole conversation I've had like spaceships playing in my head, (laughs) the, the gap, the gap narrative, the old Navy, and just like this. Buy me a spaceship to fly. Like you're just flying, man. You got to fly. You're too big for the whole fucking state of Washington. I just, I mean, hey, catch me on the spaceship. I love it. I mean, and I worked at Cold Stone. Girl, I used to do it all. And then, gosh, I just feel like the, the emotional labor I've done a lot of, of just like kind of getting over myself or like, you know, everyone has a gift and my time will come. And when I do show up, I get I put on a goddamn show. So I feel confident in that. And, you know, not many people can do say they can do what I can do and do it well. That is the show. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr for $5 or $15 a month. You can support this thing. Think of it as a slightly expensive coffee or a cheap meal. If you think the show's worth that, I would be very grateful to have you on board. Again, follow Rashawn at all the links in the show notes. Check her out on Southside. Holy shit, she's so good. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human and human beings they do.